Welcome to Conference Coverage, presented by ReachMD Radio on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Featuring the latest clinical information and research findings from the 2010 Annual Meeting of the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, November 11th through the 16th in Phoenix. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholz, your host for Conference Coverage. And I'm Sue Berg. This year's meeting attracted over 3,000 participants from around the world. The conference highlighted advances in allergy, asthma, and immunology research, procedures, and technologies. Presentations focused on allergies to foods, medications, and chemicals, as well as the use of immunotherapy and steroids for the treatment of asthma. Dr. John J. Oppenheimer, chair of the ACAAI Abstract Review Committee, discussed the continuing drive in asthma research to better understand why asthma patients behave in certain ways. Types of asthma are now characterized as different phenotypes. Researchers hope the new drive to consider asthma phenotypes will aid in developing more targeted choices for asthma therapy in the future. The importance of asthma phenotypes was highlighted in a recent study called BADGER, short for Best Add-on Therapy Giving Effective Responses, which found that children whose asthma was not controlled, despite use of inhaled corticosteroids, responded differently to add-on options. Although the majority of children improved with the addition of a long-acting beta agonist, investigators found that others did better with an increased inhaled corticosteroid dose. Still, other patients improved better with the addition of a leukotriene receptor antagonist. Another media briefing addressed the advantages of immunotherapy as well as novel modes of immunotherapy administration, such as sublingual or epicutaneous. Past chair of the ACAAI Immunotherapy and Diagnostic Committee, Dr. Linda Cox, discussed immunotherapy as the only treatment modality that gets at the cause of allergies and does not simply mask or control symptoms. She said this approach specifically targets the immune response, providing long-term benefit even after treatment is halted. Immunotherapy may also prevent asthma, especially in patients with allergic rhinitis. And in patients just developing allergies, immunotherapy may help prevent worsening or progression to additional allergies. Dr. Louis Ziska of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Agricultural Research Service discussed the effects of rising carbon dioxide levels and climate changes on plant biology and, by extension, allergic triggers. He said that lab and field studies have shown that, as carbon dioxide levels have increased over the last 75 years, pollen production per plant has doubled. The Department of Agriculture projects that if carbon dioxide levels continue to increase at the same rate, pollen levels will double again 30 to 50 years from now. The Department of Agriculture's research could influence clinical issues by shedding light on the interaction between climate change, plant biology, and public health, specifically by helping to quantify how rising carbon dioxide, warmer temperatures, and a longer growing season may alter the prevalence of allergic rhinitis and associated asthma. Better forecasting and understanding of how climate change triggers allergies can lead to more effective public health measures and improved quality of life for seasonal allergy sufferers. Children and adults, regardless of their peanut and tree nut allergy status, appear to have difficulty correctly identifying most nuts. This was the finding of researchers at The Ohio State University's Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Over 1,000 participants over the age of six were shown a nut display, including peanuts and nine tree nuts, in a total of 19 different forms, and asked to name the nuts. All participants, on average, were able to identify about 44% of the nuts. 
The most commonly identified items were peanuts in and out of the shell, and the least identified items were hazelnuts in and out of the shell. Only 50% of individuals with peanut or tree nut allergies correctly identified all forms of peanuts and tree nuts to which they are allergic. Of 20 individuals who were parents of children with peanut and tree nut allergies, about 73% correctly identified all forms of peanuts and tree nuts to which their children were allergic. Only 1.9% of participants identified all the nuts correctly. The authors of the study write that treatment of nut allergies with dietary avoidance should include education for both adults and children on identification of peanuts and tree nuts. Children are more likely than adults to test positive to amoxicillin allergy on penicillin skin testing, or PST. Researchers at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, evaluated 778 children with a history of penicillin allergy using PST. The PST skin panel was composed of benzyl penicillin polylysine, penicillin G, and benzyl penicilloate. In addition, 685 of the 778 children were tested with amoxicillin. The investigators compared differences in the proportion of children and adults positive to the various determinants of PST using the Fisher's exact test. About 90% of the children tested negative, 8.5% tested positive, and about 1% had an equivocal PST. Of the penicillin allergic children studied, 34% tested positive for amoxicillin compared to only 14% of adults. Children were also more likely to be positive solely to amoxicillin when compared with the adult population. The authors write that amoxicillin should be considered as part of the penicillin skin test panel when testing children in order to increase the chances of detecting penicillin allergy in this group. Investigators at Ohio State University in Columbus reported that individuals with egg or gelatin allergies should not assume that future tolerance to vaccines will be guaranteed just on account of previously tolerating the H1N1 influenza or seasonal influenza vaccine. Vaccines can vary in the amount of allergenic components they contain, which can alter the response from one dose to the next. The investigators presented two cases of adverse reaction to H1N1 vaccine after previous tolerance to seasonal influenza immunization. One previously egg-allergic male tolerated the seasonal vaccine well, but three weeks later received the H1N1 vaccine and experienced an itchy swollen throat, a runny nose, and shortness of breath. Another patient, a non-egg-allergic 8-year-old female who previously tolerated the seasonal influenza vaccine, experienced adverse reactions after receiving the seasonal influenza and H1N1 vaccines this year. In her case, specific immunoglobulin E testing revealed sensitivity to both beef and pork gelatin. The investigators suggest that any egg or gelatin allergic patient or anyone with history of severe reaction to any type of influenza vaccine should, prior to immunization or graded drug challenge, be tested to the specific vaccine lot number they will be given. In patients with mild asthma, the prevalent use of a combined inhaled corticosteroid, or ICS, and long-acting beta agonist, or LABA, was found to be associated with higher costs without clinical benefit. Researchers at Medco Health Solutions in Liberty Lake, Washington, compared medical and pharmacy costs and clinical outcomes of over 27,000 mild asthma patients taking either single-entity ICS therapy or combination ICS and LABA therapy. Both patients taking ICS therapy alone and taking combination therapy 
had similar asthma-related medical costs, number of oral steroid claims, and time to pulmonary-related emergency department visits. But the investigators found that treatment with ICS and LAVA combination therapy was associated with significantly higher asthma-related drug costs at about $1,173 versus $981 for the ICS group. In addition, total asthma-related healthcare costs in the combination group were about 14% higher than the ICS group. The physicians most likely to prescribe combination therapy for patients with mild asthma were family practice and primary care physicians. Pediatricians were the least likely. The authors concluded that ICS and LABA combination use is prevalent in mild asthma patients and is associated with increased asthma-related pharmacy and total health care costs, with no observed clinical benefit. Other news and asthma research presented at the meeting included findings on suboptimal asthma care, despite the availability of asthma management guidelines and effective asthma treatments. Researchers assessed asthma burden and treatment practice in the U.S. based on results of the recently completed Asthma Insight and Management Telephone Survey. This was the most comprehensive asthma survey in the United States for the past decade, comprising thousands of respondents, including current asthma patients 12 years of age or older, and healthcare providers such as allergists, family practitioners, pulmonologists, and internists. Also included in the study were adults without current asthma. 31% of the adult general population surveyed reported having other family members with asthma. Researchers found that 73% of asthma patients experienced asthma symptoms or an asthma attack in the past 12 months. 63% were affected by asthma throughout the year, and 41% reported their asthma was interfering with their daily life. The authors of this study said this finding of suboptimal care in asthma patients, despite management guidelines and proven effective treatments, underscores the need for improved patient education and use of written action plans. Immunoglobulin E antibody levels, which are associated with allergic reactions, have increased significantly among both men and women in the United States. Researchers at Children's Mercy Hospital and Clinic in Kansas City, Missouri, analyzed age-related IgE levels among more than 7,300 participants included in the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, also known as NHANES, between 2005 and 2006. The investigators compared the NHANES results to similar data from the Tucson Epidemiological Study, which dates from the 1970s. The investigators found that average IgE levels in men and women had increased significantly compared to current results in standard reference text. Most significantly, investigators found a doubling of IgE levels among participants over 55 years old, and a more gradual decline with increasing age, suggesting that more baby boomers will be experiencing allergies than ever before. Investigators cite as possible reasons for the increase methodological changes in lab testing or the hygiene hypothesis, which links the rise of allergic diseases to lack of childhood exposure to infectious agents and microorganisms. The chairman of the ACAAI Ocular Allergy Committee discussed the undertreated problem of eye allergies. For every patient prescribed an eye allergy medication, 40 people treat themselves with over-the-counter eye medicine. OTC remedies may relieve symptoms in the short term, but long-term, patients should visit an allergist who can develop a complete treatment plan to eliminate the disease. Eye allergy symptoms are regularly reported as one of the, the eye allergy symptoms are regularly reported as one of the top three allergy complaints.
and more than 40 million dollars and more than 40 million bottles of eye allergy medicine are sold in the US each year. The committee chair recommended that patients with burning, itching, watery, gritty, or sandy irritations in their eye should be referred to an allergist. And finally, ACAAI president Dr. Sammy Bana presented his perspective on the issue of banning peanuts in schools and on airplanes. People highly allergic to peanuts who may react after ingesting minute quantities as well as the 1% of peanut allergy sufferers who react just from touch or smell, often live in fear of coming into contact with peanuts. Dr. Bana said there are ways to make life less frightening for these patients, but there is no guarantee that specific allergens can be removed entirely from an environment. He added that consideration also needs to be given to the freedom of the vast majority of non-allergic persons. Regarding airplanes, Dr. Bana suggested allergic people or parents of allergic children verify that airplanes carry emergency treatment and educate their personnel about food allergies. Thank you for listening to conference coverage from the 2010 Annual Meeting of the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, November 11th through the 16th in Phoenix. Conference coverage is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD, and powered by Health Day. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bruce Bloom, your host of the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. Join me this week when I will be speaking with Mr. John Solly, Charity Manager of Great Britain's Myrovitis Trust, about the diagnosis and treatment of the orphan disease, Berthog Dubé Syndrome. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air at XM160. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, co-host of Second Opinion Live on ReachMD XM160. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, the older, wiser host. Uh-huh. When we prepare for our show, we visit ReachMD.com. Where the medical news and information is always current. As opposed to your practice methods, Ancient One. Now, ReachMD has made it even easier to stay current with the informational and educational medical programming you need. Just log into ReachMD.com, go to the My Account section of the website, select Preferences, and with a few clicks of your mouse, tell ReachMD what you'd like to hear based on your specialty interests. ReachMD's database will then handpick your selections for you from over 7,000 catalog medical programs, CME, and more. Now that's cool. It sounds like I can get exactly what I want based on my very refined taste in medical content. You have no taste, Matt. Touche. But our listeners certainly do, and we want them all to visit ReachMD.com and start receiving their own customized content. And don't forget to tune in to Second Opinion Live on ReachMD XM160. The channel for medical professionals.